0: the title block episode number 10 projection and the future of design part 2 Welcome back to The Title Block, a podcast about Canadian theatre designers, their history, and their craft. I'm your host, Michael Cruz, and today I bring you the second half of a recording of a panel discussion at this year's Canadian Institute for Theatre Technologies Rendezvous 2014, the CITT's annual trade show and conference. Just to recap, I was joined in this discussion by Scott Spadell from Texas Lutheran University, Eric Mongerson from Concordia University, and Ben Chason and Beth Cates from Playground Studios here in Toronto. Complete bios can be found in the show notes at thetitleblock.com forward slash episodes. In part two of this discussion after the break, we started to talk about the unique funding challenges of buying or renting equipment that advances so quickly. We move on to talk about the language of video and a production, and we end with a discussion about copyright and planning theatre design for the future. We begin with a comment from Sheila Skye from the Associated Designers of Canada. So welcome back, everybody. Thank you for those of you who have come back to us. Sheila, I wanted you to tell you had a comment over the break that I think is really important for us to hear. I think it's it's good for everyone else. So make your point.
1: Um, yeah, it had to do with the obsolescence of the rapid obsolescence of equipment. Um, as a grant writer, this is this is problematic for me to rent rather than buy because I can't write a grant to rent gear. I can write a, a small capital acquisitions grant. I can write an infrastructure development grant but I can't write a rent for this production grant. I can only write a production grant, which is small, and then I have to choose between gear and performers or venue rental. Um, So it's probably something that we need to convey somehow to funders that they are forcing us into a poor use of resources.
2: Yeah. Amen. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, We we helped Necessary Angel Theatre Company get a grant for a watch out system three watch out systems ago that now they're not using and it was a Trillium grant and it had to be all purchase Um, we helped uh, Cahoots Theatre buy some beautiful LED lighting Source 4 LEDs that now there's a version 2 of (laughs) you know not that there's anything wrong with the version 1's but the next time they make a purchase like that they're only going to have the option for version 2 because version one won't exist. It's not like manufacturers are like, oh, I want to keep making that old thing that we didn't like.
4: Yeah, I think it's <clears throat> it's something that we need to take up with the with the funding bodies. The fun- and there's a lot we need to take up with the funding bodies. Not the least of which is this whole capital purchase versus rental thing. Um, but it's is also their just their knowledge base in terms of this stuff is expensive, and we've had so many grants rejected based on the numbers, and their comments back where these numbers are so big, and our comment back is, that's what this stuff costs, so if you want us to buy a projector, it's going to be $20,000, if you want us to buy, like, it's going to be these big numbers, so we could rent it for less, and yeah, not waste the resources, and so that's a conversation that needs to start happening, which... Love to know how to do that.
1: I think they come from the world where you invest in infrastructure because you make multiple widgets and we're not multiple widget makers.
5: I think yep. we went through the same thing with lighting consoles uh, in the beginning where they were all lousy and they all lasted two years and they were all expensive and didn't work. The difference is now we have uh, a lot. It was a very specialized market. Now Video large format video projectors all kinds of people use. So in a way, that's a good thing. It means they're being developed faster, and they're more expensive. But it also means their uh, shelf life is a lot shorter. So it's it's a it's a problem. I mean, you, you could buy one if you can get the grant to do it, and then use it for maybe one or two shows, and then pretty soon it'll be sold. Nobody will want it. Um, but you're right. It, it, the grants aren't written that way. No I way. also
3: uh, there's also, and this is not. A dig on our suppliers, uh, particularly AV suppliers, are used to dealing with. Essentially, if they buy a large scale projector, two weekend long rentals will pay for that, mm-hmm. right? In theater, we want to rent it from February to November, and then we don't want it in our theater after that. And that so that as a scale of business for them is also quite different. And so a- particularly AV suppliers are not used to working that way. Some uh, some more commercial theater rental houses in the States are sort of breaking into our market here. And so they're offering a pricing structure that that is similar. So that just means that our our local suppliers need to maybe understand our theater market more because either we do it on very long terms or very short terms, but not weekend award ceremonies. Well, right? somebody rented those
6: projectors to the Warhorse tour, right? Yeah. So Sound Associates. We
5: we used to do that with tiny projectors. All the time you could use that model where opera companies would gang together and they'd plan their seasons around who had the projector when and that way they would share the cost. So you'd have multiple companies using the well, same equipment at the same I, time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, so some, work that way? Is there a way we can have some sort of consortium like TAPA uh, in Toronto, that, uh, the Toronto Association for the Performing Arts, right?
3: Yeah. Um, if they had some sort of ongoing budget... Then they're going to need somebody to maintain that equipment. They're going to need to keep a stock. That person who maintains that equipment is going to have to be actually trained on how to maintain that equipment, mm-hmm. not just I maintain that equipment. That Because I, am all, I also rent gear out sometimes, I've realized as a supplier, I'm not trained to fix the things that I rent out, which is a problem if you break it or more, more of a problem if I sent it to you broken.
0: What if you had... What if you had... Yeah, what if you had um, this is a crazy idea. Uh, some sort of central clearinghouse that could say, you know, by November 1st... Now, let's say when are the seasons chosen in the spring, right? Let's say by May 1st, there was an application process and uh, you had to apply for... Um, to tap or to the consortium... Uh, and there were, you know, you could book a projector for three weeks and then that consortium could say, we're going to rent this projector for the next eight months. And these five companies or these eight companies have agreed to pay a portion of that rental, which is amortized over that eight months. So Mm -hmm. it's cheaper, um, that would require a bit of administration. Groups like Tappa would have the people in house who could actually coordinate the grant process, basically. And if not enough people apply, then the grant then you can't have it. You can't, you know, let it go. Is that a crazy idea? Is that I don't think that, that's usually not a model it's we not use. But
4: cr- it's not a crazy idea? I think it 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 sort of backtracks to what we were talking about in terms of the gear. Because there might be eight companies that would go, yeah, that would be awesome. I want projector X and I want projector Q and I want projector L. And then you've got eight companies who all want 72 different projectors right. and is going, I can't do that. And, you know, if, if. So it would become difficult that way. We
5: didn't have that problem with Ponte projectors because there was one it, model. It was yeah. one model, <laughs> You <laughs> just yeah. got the different yeah. lens yeah, and everybody's – you couldn't remount. You could remount a show with the same slides and you'd right. be done, mm-hmm. but I say the it's one not model the same is, anymore. The one model is the NAC. Yeah. NAC can buy all the Ponte projectors and we'll just go and boil <laughs> we'll them. The we the just a console went. projector, loaning system.
0: Which is a good segue into sort of future tech. Let's talk about LED stuff now. And then we can go back to how larger venues are going to plan for the future. Uh, so I guess we have to talk about the future, But <laughs> they can plan for it. Um, you said you were using LED walls yeah. actually at the Panto, right?
3: Uh, in the Ross Petty Panto, we used the same wall that was used in Tommy at Stratford last year. So the same product uh, from Sound Associates, which is a 4-mil uh, LED LED, well, the way it was configured at Stratford is that though it was twenty by thirty, yeah, it flew in three panels so that they could do different things. But it was all fired; it was all fed via watchout. So the video designer divvied up within his media that those three panels. Uh, we use the same thing as a solid wall. This year, we're we're trying to talk to them about getting a couple more panels wide and a couple taller. Uh, just because what it does is it, at 20 by 30, actually on the Elgin stage, <laughs> isn't wide enough. What In the ideal world, it's like an old psych, right? You want it bigger than the, the playing area, not smaller. And in this case, it's smaller than the playing area. But given that the only stage access door to load all the scenery in from the scene shop is upstage right... Okay. We, we can only go so wide anyway. And it's on the back wall. Um, it's beautiful. It takes horrible pictures because it's like a big TV. It's got resolution lines. Your eye just doesn't see it. But a camera does. So even taking video of it is awful unless you can sync your camera's frame rate to the refresh rate, which is a long project, which AV suppliers are really good at. Theater folk are, again, not. Uh, and I I don't say they're not good at it. They just don't do it in their practice very often.
0: Is there going to be a time where... or Do we have the technology to replace the walls with video elements in yeah. a way that's that's flexible enough that you don't have to have rectangles or square? You're going to have round or...
6: well, I, I am doing rectangles coming up. I've got a show for an experiment from the air pump, which jumps two centuries in time period, and I'm building flats, basically uh, rear projection walls, because that's the intent for my design that they're going to be walls. I'll just be projecting projecting, uh, 17th century versus 20th century stuff at different times and hopefully the audience will think they're just flats. So in this case I'm using them as flats.
3: So completely scenic. Projecting on different shapes is, is, I mean, I posted on Facebook just the other day that 3D mapping is now. It's not mm-hmm. gone. It, and that is projection. You can't really take, you could, to do it with LED product, you basically have to manufacture a whole LED set piece. Yeah. Whereas with a projection mapping, you can just create the shapes digitally and then place your content within those shapes and deal Cut. with the video black. Yeah, and well, the, <laughs> but the video black isn't an issue on a lot of the shows that are doing it right because they're anyway. not. Yeah. they're not going to black. Yeah, I mean that that comes back to the age old thing of why do we go to black between scene one and scene two? Do we have to? Can they not just blend into each other? And that's a directorial choice. That's a dramaturgical choice. That's a that's a design choice.
4: And and they're they're. There's a bit of a misunderstanding often that LED is going to replace projectors. It's two different things, right? It's the difference between light coming out at you and light, Reflecting light coming out of the machine. Mm-hmm. So we're, when you're looking at an LED wall, you're looking into light bulbs. Um, so it's a totally different experience um, than watching a projected image.
0: Is there a certain minimum scale you need to make it work so you don't realize it's an LED wall? Like you can't like for example the tarragon, you'd have to have a pretty fine resolution wall. You'd so have, have to realize a it's
3: very big. fine. So four mil might be able to do it, depending on where you're sitting. And uh, so
0: when you say four mil, that's the distance between the pixels.
3: Yes. Okay. And assuming that each uh, LED three color LED is a pixel, sometimes that system is designed around four pic- four LEDs equals a pixel. So, um, but. It would be so bright in a place like the Tarragon. <laughs> like the, this is the age-old. Even the big companies like Moment Factory that are are using LED on big projects, they're turning the brightness down to like two percent on an LED wall because these these LEDs are designed ultimately for outdoor application, right? To be the, the brightest thing in time. Are, yeah. The bri- brightest thing in Times Square or Young Dundas Square. Well, everything's the brightest thing in those places.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's. Any questions about LED tech? Do you guys have more questions about how is, is it controlled the same way? You're mapping like you've got a video server and you're...
3: Well, we a video server then feeds into another box that then splits up the signal to the to the LED. But like it's the same idea as your monitor, right? It's a yeah, television our,
4: screen. Yeah. yeah, our twenty by thirty wall is just a big. Just television a big screen. screen. Mm-hmm. But 20 our twenty
3: screen. by thirty wall isn't, in fact, our full. 19 by 20 uh, input into it we actually only use a small corner of it kind of like back in the old days at Dalhousie uh, where I went to school uh, because we had a Czech uh, design professor every four by eight sheet of plywood was cut down to a meter by two meters so we, we did the exact same thing in video. <laughs> it's okay. No, we're not going to freak out. Everyone calm down. It's going l- just fine. We had a lot of hockey sticks.
0: <laughs> that oh, is man. awesome. <laughs> um, Sad but true. I know. I know. Maybe it should have been one meter by two meters to begin with. Guys. <laughs> no yeah. Yes.
7: So just maybe in your example, the video wall that you're talking about, a four-mile video wall that's that big, that must require a huge power field.
3: Uh, the it again. We're we're playing at the Elgin Theater, which is a huge A plus house. That we had our own distro for the whole nine. So, its power draw. I honestly I didn't know because that's one of those segments of our industry. I sort of let the techs just do what they got to do. I,
7: I would think that's 150 to about uh, uh, 200 amp three phase. So.
3: Probably yeah. And
7: many buildings are never going to have that coming in. We've yes, it obviously, but
3: yeah. But, I mean, really good projectors need a, like need huge power too, 20. right? But it, at a Terragon, I don't think you need a 20K projector. Although, you would like to have one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that begs the question, too. If, if the cost of these things is going to be... If it costs so much money to do it right, um, is it worthwhile for smaller I, I, companies I, I, to do I, it at
6: all? Sorry. It doesn't cost that much money to do it right.
0: <laughs> well, do I... A 2K projector is that going to be enough to do it something? Depends. It depends on the job. It right. depends.
3: On, yeah, yeah. Right. it's the right tool for the right job. Right. There's always
0: been a problem with overreach for smaller companies, yes. anyways. Trying like thinking big and not being able to pay for it.
4: And and like the SummerWorks Festival is just finished in Toronto, and they're they're in eight different venues or something like that, and basically, I like seventy percent of the shows had video in it, and some of them were doing it with a little boardroom projector and some of them were doing it with a 5k projector hung on the balcony rail and some of them were doing it with three or four projectors like that seems like a lot it was it's, it's extraordinary yeah it, i my my number my calculation might be off but, right, but there was an extraordinary mechanism. amount yeah. of projection happening it happens in the fringe it happens hmm. happens everywhere now so yeah you can do it with a with a staples Brand projector, and mm-hmm. it all depends on what you're trying to achieve. We couldn't do the, we couldn't do the ragtime or the Shaw Festival with a Staples brand projector. They
0: mm-hmm. wanted you to though.
4: <laughs> no, I'm just
0: kidding.
2: Um, um,
4: the, <laughs>
0: we've been taking the piss out of tarragon all day. We have to shift the focus at some just, point, Just, just really right? like, with your boots
2: on and breath. <laughs>
5: That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no, 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 no. Terkon
0: no. is a wonderful, wonderful movie. We're just using it as an example of a very high quality, smaller budget,
4: and but small, very high
0: quality, and smaller stage,
4: and smaller stage. Right.
0: And yeah, uh, that begs a larger question too: of if so many productions are wanting to use video, um, is this a consequence of the audience demanding it, or the vocabulary that directors are you like, a, like, a, like somebody who thinks visually at Age twenty now thinks differently than a fifty-year-old designer in the theater, right? Has their vocabulary changed, or is this just because it's a novelty and people can't tell a story without it in some cases?
3: Yes,
8: we've been doing <laughs> video, we've been doing projection. I've been working in about forty-five years. We've been seeing projection all the way through that. I think it's taken a long time to mature where it's actually integrated better now. It used to be bang, this is a screen, and here's the point we're making, and it's you know, hitting over the head. Right. So it's certainly seen as well, but basically, I mean, in theater, we, we are, we use whatever tools out there. We cruise hardware stores and find, geez, I can use that plumbing fixture to do something. To set. We, we, we are scavengers. And, you know, we'll take whatever we can find and whatever budget we've got, and we'll try to create the best part we can out of it. And we'll turn compromises into artistic virtues, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we will and we will produce good art by just like a, a sonnet. The, the sonnet was king poetry for years. Why? We had this limitation of fourteen lines. We have a limitation of space and money and time, but we still try to create art out of it. And this is something else that you know that, that's been around and projects me around. If we had a for over a hundred years, mm-hmm. we have gradually evolved it. So I don't think it's anything new. We, we've gotten better at integrating it effectively. It also comes, it's, it's not,
3: it's, yeah. But it, it comes back to, to story. So these summer work shows, those are the stories they're telling, right? And that might not necessarily be a directorial choice. That's a whole piece sho- choice. And that comes back to uh, certainly younger people aren't really divvying up the line as much as...
5: I think it's, it's changing times as well. I remember a story about a director when uh, Quartz Halogen came out about going into the theater after all these brand-new lighting fixtures have been installed, and all of a sudden they had real white light. And he came in and said, well, where's the friendly light? Because for him, that was wrong. And now I go into a theater, and I see all those LEDs, and I go, Oh, where's the friendly light? And the same thing happens with video, right? The people who grew up with the unfriendly light, uh, that's normal for them. It's on their phone, so that's, it, that's what they want to see.
4: And it is part of our storytelling now. That like We last year worked on a show... Um, for Geordie out of Montreal where the playwright had written uh, a story inspired by Amanda Todd the Amanda Todd story and so it was all structured around Facebook and so we this had was the the girl who's who was who was, was cyberbullied and, right. and, and committed suicide, suicide. right okay um, so we had to so Facebook and the bullying and the characters that only existed on Facebook had to come alive somehow so we had to a make a, a thing like facebook which is so inert and unattractive make it aesthetically beautiful make it come alive and help the the playwright tell his story um so i think it's i don't think it's a novelty and i think it's it's part of how we all communicate now it's and it it will be different a 50 year old 60 year old seven year old designer is going to Approach of visual differently than the 20-year-olds that are coming up now have grown up with things in their faces from day one.
3: There's a bit of regionalism to that, too. Uh, I know on the West Coast, uh, theatre companies have been working with video a little bit more because their aesthetic has always included that, whereas I found, in part, the nature of the companies that exist in Toronto have all been very literary-based, which has affected the work they make. So the work they make is very actor-driven, text-driven, you don't see a lot of big movement pieces at Tarragon. And I'm not, that's, again, not dissing Tarragon. That's the work that's done there. So it doesn't even call for a high-tech world. But we're, we're seeing all kinds of different, different things. Like, now we have conversations all in text, right? That is not interesting to watch on stage. Like, nobody buys tickets to read,
0: <laughs> right. Well, okay, well, there's a larger right, question there. Just one second. I just want to make a point. So if, uh, if the vocabulary of the artist creating the theater is incorporating video, finally, because they're able to technically, and because they're telling stories that are important to them that have a, I mean, many people live their lives on social media. What happens when you've got an aging audience that is not on Facebook? That doesn 't watch YouTube that is not video I mean they're going to have a filmic vocabulary obviously they grew up in the age of mm-hmm. television and everything else but they may not be living their lives on stage or they may not be living their lives that is in a way that that', that these heavy these productions that are relying on these vocabulary that uses social media uh, is resonant with them so is that a i don't know if that's that's anything you guys can do about. But it, certainly it's a discussion you have to have with the director to say, look, we're at the Shaw Festival where the average age of our patron is 52 years old. But it,
9: it entirely depends on the aesthetic of the show. Right. Uh, we used ragtime, these folks did there, and it was like totally integrated. It was, it, you didn't know you were looking at projections. We're not trying to do like sort of <coughs> concert, you know. Yeah. If you're forgetting, you're just losing anyone downstage as you see in some of these concerts. It is... It is painterly, it is integrated, sculpting, you know, uh, the lighting and the projection, and you're getting you know, the same dynamic. So it's just...
0: It's exactly what you'd you want of a, of a yeah. Yeah, as another it's, element. So it's not
9: generational in any way. It's just sort of... Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a wonderful tool in the toolbox, and you can... Because that required, you know, whatever, 14 different locales, and an you know, aesthetic of, of a new century coming and using the old Grand Central Station as... Overarching uh, image that ran throughout, you know, as that's going back to Dr. Rowe's novel and the storytelling of the three families, and, and it was just all in support. Mm-hmm. That's in my personal aesthetic, that's when projection shines in the theater. Uh, you know, you can see it used dramatically in, in a dance piece where you know, dancers are moving through it, and that's a whole other powerful type of use of it. But so, I don't you have an aging audience that's for sure, yes. and, sure. I think, I think,
4: and I think you know to, like there would, there will be people we'll, we'll leave behind or they'll be oh that's too bright or it's too busy or whatever um, but I, I think two people who go to the theater are willing to look at and accept a lot of newness and new art, and for,
5: for me, I've learned over the years not to expect the things. I mean, oftentimes I think the younger people are going to come up with the new dynamic ways Sometimes they're really conservative and really old-fashioned. So it's not just as broad a broad brush. I think as sometimes we see it as it's it's not us versus them. It's it's uh, just who are you talking to and what do you want to say?
0: We had some questions. Do you do you mind coming up to the microphone? Is that okay? Oh, oh, sorry.
1: Oh, it's okay. Okay, So um, so I think there's two reasons why projection will um, continue to be increasingly used. One, and this may surprise you, Ben and Beth, but it's way easier. And I say that from the perspective of young directors who are coming up through the performance stream, they show up tech week, a lot of the problem-solving is done, and they perceive it as being an easier way to create a, a production with... Uh, interesting visuals when they totally lack the infrastructure of a a shop to build in or uh, any sort of expertise in putting two pieces of wood together or or somebody to do that for them or even just cartage so so it's perceived as easier Um, and also in theater you know we have a a tendency to think of hard goods as expensive and labor as free. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the second reason, uh, if I can remember my train of thought, oh, the second reason um, has to do with the changing um, way that theater is functioning economically, and that's that... the Tarragon would be a bit of an exception, but places like theater Pass Mirai and Factory, I mean, they're almost functioning like uh, roadhouses now, right? Those projects are developed in the indie theatre, and they are transferred to a larger house, and then hopefully will go on and have a touring existence. Um, working in repertory is becoming more common too, which is a response to the economic stress. So people are looking to projection as being more portable. And again, if you don't have a background in projection, you would again see projection as being easier. So I think we'll continue to see it.
3: Do you think that's part of the reason that these choices have been made at the... Certainly at the SummerWorks fringe Mm -hmm. level, absolutely. And I think uh, speaking to... Trying to make something more bold is a little easier to... It's a lot easier to sit in your room and Photoshop a really cool image than it is to take five pieces of lumber from Home Depot and try to saw in your one-bedroom apartment, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, Any other comments from...
10: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Coming back to um, how using technology in theater may desert an older audience or welcome a newer audience, I don't think necessarily that... Using newer technology is going to attract a younger audience if you're working on something like Don Giovanni. Like we did at the BAM Center, you know, 520K projectors. We're using D3 servers. It was a gorgeous production. There was no 20-somethings lining up the door for Don G, you know? At the same time, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, that was done, I think, in San Francisco. It was a university production. with an incredibly high budget and beautifully used technology and projection. But it was also a new piece built around a Flaming Lips album. So I don't think it was a technology that was... um, pushing away the older audience, I think it was the fact that they certainly weren't interested in that style of presentation or in the content. So I don't think that using new technology is going to push away your audience. I think it really comes down to the content and how you're presenting it. So that said, I don't think using it as a gimmick to attract a younger audience is effective.
3: No, absolutely because yeah, I don't point. think there's a lot of kids out there looking at their Facebook saying ooh a 20k projector that sounds like something I'd buy a ticket <laughs> <Exactly>. to
10: <laughs> there's a few of us
3: <laughs> yeah, there's a niche
10: for yeah, that kind of thing. yeah it's a niche it's a fetish
0: we should start a new project where, the, where the, on the, on the on the you have a regular poster and then you have a second poster that has all the tech requirements <laughs> for the thing yeah. we had another question over here yes
11: I'm at the art centre across the canal, and last year we did uh, a French theatre festival, plays from outside Quebec, mostly. One of the playwrights was 26. The play was 16 people around a table on Facebook, and instant messaging. and So it was shared on a screen, Mm -hmm. a 16 head. (laughs) But the point was that there was no way to tell the story without us sharing it, by reading it or by watching FaceTime between Mm -hmm. them. Mm The whole thing was done that way. I was astounded. They did one rehearsal, and they had right. four new cast members. However, the way they rehearsed it was in their own cities. So right. in because a way, the art it. is moving forward, right? They're all young actors. Some of them were still in school, but they created a work in their world. And then they found a way to share it with us. It was you know, one big massive projector, one big rig that feeds it, but it was a way the audience could feed it. Were there a lot of people in the audience? Not a lot, but there were a heck of a lot of young people in the audience who were also on their phones and things because there was a live feed at the same mm-hmm. time. So not only was the story the text, there was also the, what's going on from the people in the audience. There was a Twitter feed that was going in the side mm-hmm. there, and it actually affected the play. Yep, They were reading it, and they actually, when they could, they stuck it into their, réplique, um, their, their text. It was the neatest thing. You know, but that's a world away from the integration of you know uh, uh, the show uh, you did last year. The other ones that you've done, where it's this painterly, beautiful thing, but it's still the same thing. It's just part of the story.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Right? Yeah, and I, I actually just worked on a, a similar kind of project that was three seniors. Okay. Three senior women who were, as part of it, it was a community arts project, and as part of the project, the director, creator, put them all on Twitter and made them tweet for six months um, as, as in part, to, to, it was all about the idea of legacy, and can you leave a digital legacy, and what does digital legacy mean to seniors, and, and all of this new technology that they were seeing, their grandkids, and some of them, two of the women, adopted it into their lives. And, and some of the other ones left it behind, but we also had a huge uh, component of, of live feed, and you were, you were encouraged to tweet at the people on stage, and, and so then these senior ladies are looking and, and reading at things and, and trying to respond to it, and they're not trained actors, and it became a really interesting dialogue, and I watched as people came in, and the usher said, do you want to tweet? These are the tweet seats, and watching like some seniors go, I don't know what that is at all, and and then but then also watching like like younger people come in and go, oh no, I wouldn't do that in the theater, and so there there is an interesting interplay, and these are our stories, and this is what we're going to come up against. Can we make reading Facebook messaging interesting on stage? How how do we do that? And that's where the dialogue. That's part of why Ben and I have done these these. Uh, digital dramaturgy workshops for playwrights is because how do we we know what we can do with all our fancy toys? Do they and how do we how can we all work together to start telling these stories more effectively and profoundly and beautifully? And,
3: and that also makes me think uh, that we sometimes need to think about what the nature of theater is because this is theater. You're watching us. We're talking, and we the fact that we're dialoguing just means. It's an interactive piece. Yeah. Well, we would never call it that. It's a panel discussion, right? <laughs> you such a radical ban.
0: This comes down to a great question. Any other questions before we move on? Okay, I, I, and this, I think this is a good segue into the next thing I want to talk about, which is about rights. So if you're creating your own content,
6: mm-hmm.
0: not a problem. Uh, if you're using content from 600 years ago, no problem. Like, like from the Renaissance, for example.
6: Yeah, that six hundred year old video is always. <laughs> well, well,
0: or you're. you're
4: you download you're that? Down, from? Down, yeah, you're
0: downloading the image from the Tate Gallery, and then you're. Oh wait a second. Um, but but we're who? How do you manage the rights? And who do you go to? Like, is it is it the same kind of rights? Uh, as is it ASCAP? What's the Canadian? SoCan. SoCan. So can, thank you. Uh, so so does SoCan manage video nope. rights? No. no, they don't. <laughs> well, we don't like,
4: believe so can yeah, you ever manage funny, video rights.: It's a bad, good point.: the, the production managers are all saying, "Shh." there are yeah. also things that have happened in the last year where Getty Images has released a whole bunch of like their entire library. Um, the British Museum has released mm-hmm. everything they've ever scanned. Um, and there's rumors of the New York Times about to do the same. So, and there's the the so in a big resource for ragtime was the the American Library of Congress has an enormous high resolution uh, library of images from the entire history of the United States. So there is an incredible amount available out there. It then starts to get tricky, like, okay, so I need the footage of the March on Washington, so what am I going to do? Now I have to go spend, like, $10,000 to get all of that footage and the rights to use it. And, um, and there is, there has not been, and we've tried to legally buy stuff for theater um, from certain resources like Getty a few years ago, and there was no category for theater. Because, we,
3: we, because we sell tickets but we have a limited run. So it's it's not like a cinema Sell wa- watching this and, and it's integrated into another performance. Right, so you're not buying tickets to that piece of footage, you're buying tickets to the show that the f- piece of footage is in. There isn't a category that is quite legal yet about that. There's rights management is a humongous issue all over the world it's not going to get sorted anytime soon uh people in the adc contract i know that we've put that role on the producer (laughs) but uh, which producer do you know is a lawyer or you know or not many that i know of most of them uh, just came through the ranks of theater just one way or another um So it's also hard when you're developing a new piece to discover, oh, the whole piece is hinged on this one piece of footage of the astronauts. Or I did a show uh, about uh, Joseph Kittinger, who is the first man to jump from a hot air balloon 33 miles above the Earth. And the Red Bull guy did it last year. Just just beat his record Um, that the footage of him that we used we actually cut out of pictures of him we didn't buy the rights to any of those but I wouldn't say they were public domain either we just happened to have the books that were produced of it and used it for our show Our, our whole show is hinged on pictures of him because he's the guy that did that we couldn't artistically not do that show about him
5: i've had two widely varying experiences with that sometimes theater companies are incredibly helpful and you do nothing it's all magic it just happens and all the rights come for whatever you want and other times it's like nothing and you're really nervous about the whole thing and you're right a lot of times it has to do with the show and how much of it is really integrated into that one piece that they don't have rights to yet Um, it it oftentimes i think the ones that really work well is when the playwright's in on it in the beginning. And they've written it that way, and they've thought it through, and it's part of the whole process. And then the video is more seamless, and the and the buying of rights is part of doing the show. It's not something that's added on at the last minute. The video guy comes in, oh, we have to get rights for that, like the sound. Mm-hmm. It's different.
0: Uh, is there not a fair use? Uh, I know in the blogging world, if you are commenting on something, it's got public... Uh, if it's in the public public's interest, you can use... Um, not entire pieces, but there's
3: I think there's some leeway. Do people purchase your blog, or do see they don't Nobody purchases my blog. <laughs> 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 uh, really uh, not yet. for sale, yeah. we'll that. No, but I, uh, but yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, we we charge money. Like the reason why rights is an issue at all is because we do charge money.
4: But for not, people to sometimes. come, sometimes it's just
3: principle, think, and they won't do it. Yeah. Oh. Money or not. That being said, we've been involved in a show that ran for. Fifteen years. That was entirely based on a television show, but uh, the the rights to that were negotiated as a as a verbal agreement. Once lawyers got involved, certain productions weren't done. Yeah. That so was,
4: it's that yeah. was Mac Homer. That was right? Mac Homer. Yeah. 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 So yeah, no, it's it's and it's all changing too because of the nature of the internet and the nature of image and image acquisition. And we try, like we use stock footage houses a lot. We shoot a lot of our own stuff for that very reason. Like there's never a time when I'm in a major city when I don't make sure I leave with, Photos of the Parliament building or things that I know they're mine. (laughs) And so I can use them whenever and however I I need to.
0: That's like sound designers taking the uh, the, the Go Train or the, I'm in the park in Stanley Park. I mean, that clip, the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, What do, uh, is uh, is there something that theater companies could do in the interim to cover their behind? Or is it just... Well, the show's only running for six performances, so hopefully no one will notice, well, which is a, probably the case. A lot of times it's that.
5: It's managing the risk with, with the uh, benefit of, of having that image.
3: But you always run the risk of your show being a hit at the fringe that ends up on Broadway. I hate Totally. It's <laughs> a terrible <laughs> risk for a – At that or point, like, at sure. that point <laughs> there are people involved, right, yeah. that, that come and take yeah. care of those things. And they might take care of it in such a way that you don't get to do it. Yeah. But.
0: When, when you're using live Twitter or live Facebook feeds, like at the NEC, Alex, was there a? Uh, did they deal with that? Did they have when they were having Facebook projected? Did they actually have the Facebook logo? They
11: were on Facebook. They were live on during the show, oh so God. there was no recorded media anywhere in that show. It right. was all live. To get around it,
0: to, to, to get around the user necessarily to
11: get around it for legal reasons, but because because I don't think they knew that they were going to be possibly infringing. Somebody's copyright, but because that's the way the piece was created, right? So other people could be taking a feed in. You could watch this outcome of the show that had to be in real time. You could also, if you were following one of the actors, and it was there was a little bit of subterfuge of there were private accounts that were hidden and whatnot. But you could, if you were happen to be following somebody, not be in the theater and be seeing a part of the performance Hmm. if you're on if you're on uh, Facebook or reading the Twitter, certainly the Twitter feed, everybody could read. Um, A big house like us, we have been very careful, because the bigger you are, the bigger the target you are. So when we do something that is so specific that we know, so we did a show about Norval Morisot, and there were projected images. We talked to the, joining it, up, sorry. No, no, it's okay. We talked to, we had to talk not to Morisot's estate, we had to talk to the people who actually owned the piece of art oh, to wow. get permission. Because you've got to remember, his estate gave us copyright for his art. But the people who owned the actual painting, we had to get their permission as well. We never got it for the pieces that were used in the set. Because they were derivative of the actual art that he had created. Just the images that we projected as part of the show. In other other shows where we have used stuff, we have hit, like, a wall of lawyers that try to give you... And people have said, oh, I want to give it to you. No problem. I have no problem. Just call this person. They go, oh, we can't do that. Just call this person. Oh, no, we can't do that. Just call this person. And go around, like some big-name artists, go around the wall of people around Mm -hmm. them as they try to not be responsible for doing something that they don't really know how to do. So in the end, sometimes we've done it with no real permission... It's just been implicit because nobody has given us an explicit permission because they didn't know how, because they didn't know how to charge us. Because, you know, they would come and say, well, that's $50,000. Like, well, you're crazy. I'm using <laughs> one image of your artist or I'm playing 35 seconds of a song that's stupendously well identified. We be the same with video, but, you know, 35 seconds of a song by Anne Murray. You know, and in the end, they just said, you're not having this conversation with us, knock yourself out. Miss Murray's happy to have the song be part of the show. Hmm. Right? Did we get that in writing anywhere? There's an email, but that's about it, right? So it's a very difficult world, and we've gone to copyright lawyers like lots of other people, and they kind of go, don't know. Yep. Can't tell you.
0: Depends. Until you get sued. We don't know what the law is. Well, it's
11: until you get sued or until somebody makes a complaint to somebody else and then it goes to the copyright board and maybe they'll finally make a decision. I mean, our world is small. If you think about the educational world and what's going on in fair use, there's where the decisions will get made. And unfortunately, art is not part of it. I always thought of fair use as, you know, you can do art. An artist can take a video from some other artist and include it in theirs and that's fair use, mm-hmm. Right. So that's a dodge that one of the lawyers told us, well, that might apply. If you were creating Mm -hmm. content and you stole somebody else's art to be part of your art, not stole, but use somebody else's art as part of your art, as part of a show, fair use. Or even if you took their work and put it in your show, that might be fair use, it might not be. Because the play is a work of art. right? But that's a mindset thing, because very very few people think, well, the play is a work of art. They just think, well, it's a play, it's a commercial product. No, it's art that's sold, right? And then where's the line between commercial theater and?
3: (laughs) In in commercial theater, I know, having worked as a programmer on a a very commercial project that the goal was to develop it in Toronto, present it in Toronto, and then Broadway it. Uh, I know that the projection designer had an ongoing list of every piece of imagery he used, and some of it were, like, Google searches of Buenos Aires, like, oh, that's just a really cool image of the slums of Buenos Aires. He would then contact that person, because you get Broadway producers, they are all lawyers, and... (laughs)
0: Uh, I, I, I guess you have to get Derek Chua in Toronto to be yeah. our producer, right? Because he's, he's an entertainment lawyer. Mm-hmm. You're not a copyright lawyer, I guess, but he's an entertainment lawyer. He would know one. I guess he's a good <laughs> he's 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 <laughs> <once> guy. <laughs> he would know a guy. He's a guy a lo- that knows a guy. He's a guy that knows a guy. Yeah, he's a guy who knows a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's about 20 to 5. Let me just cover one more thing. Um, and uh, and may, this may not be a big discussion, but um, there's a question about um, building new spaces or creating new spaces from old spaces. What do architects and Engineers, theater engineers, or people who are administering these new spaces have to know to support for future use for projections and uh, video and other, and
3: other technologies. Raceways. Raceways. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Race. Yeah, yeah. More yeah, conduit. else conduits.
3: Anyway. If you are, for whatever reason, make putting Ethernet in, Ethernet patch base, because we use multiple networks. Yes. Like Watch Out is its network itself, but you could also use that those lines run through the wall to actually feed your projectors because you do DVI over Ethernet.
6: And my sound system, Ethernet system, and everything else. I mean, uh, and don't forget the stuff under the deck. That would be even better. Mm -hmm. And under the house. It's it's under the house and through the house and up in the house is going to be really important. Make sure there's a hole in your process.
4: And houses that support production tables that need to have 10 or 12 computers and monitors on them that yeah. need to communicate with all of that system. And, and comfortable seats at <laughs> those production tables. Be now. now
3: you're just <laughs> whining. <20 laughs>
0: comfortable
3: seats. <laughs> hey,
9: that allergy, there's I the I thought energy. of is uh, especially depending on the configuration, if it's sort of a cross or even a thrust, that positions are created with, uh, for, with air supply, air handling, in and out, and also, the noise factor is how many people put big projectors on balcony rails and spend thousands of oh. dollars
0: putting them into well, boxes. boxes? Yeah, air in and air out. is there uh, somebody must be making those? Hey, eh? you can buy commercial products that house, or do you have to make them all custom? What's that? Do you, can you buy commercial products that can house a projector there with proper
9: clamshells, but you know, they rarely integrate with the architecture you're with, right?
4: Yeah. yeah, right, they don't fit the Royal Alex. Yeah, so if you yeah. build a theater with boxes with cooling systems then then you're good But but i know
3: at the confederation center they just recently redid their whole balcony or actually put in a balcony i think they didn't have one before they put in positions for the projectors and then the projectors for anne of green gables the show that's been running for 50 years didn't go in those positions right they went on the balcony rail (laughs) <laughs> well, it's, it's, it was that that where where the architects chose to put the that box didn't work, right?
0: That's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs>
6: I know these positions
3: a... are always exactly what. Why point?
6: would anybody <laughs> want to project from there? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, <laughs> I mean, it's a pipe over the orchestra.
5: Well, that's why I think it's back to the more important issue: is where's the conduit? Everything else you can you're gonna have yeah. to deal with anyway. But if you have empty conduit in concrete, then you save money. Yeah. You tell everything wireless in no, another few years. That's a good <laughs>
0: message there. You can save money. You don't have to call on the coring company to cut a new hole for you. Um, what about... Okay, so <laughs> uh, the Toronto Centre for the Performing Arts, uh, TCA, whatever, Toronto Centre for the Arts, uh, which was built to house Ragtime, I think, or... or uh, not ragtime, uh, yeah. uh it,
4: yeah. Was yeah. it Ragtime? Yes. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, they put in fiber optics. Everything. Fiber optics were all over the building to support the future tech of fiber optics. And I don't remember seeing an Ethernet cable... Anywhere, so um, do we? Ha- is Ethernet going to be the thing? Like, if I'm going to commit to build my space and make sure there's Ethernet patch base, should we worry about whatever it's going to change into? Uh,
12: That's why you have a lot of empty conduit. Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. like, don't get the three quarter inch stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, surely,
3: someone's going to want yeah. to run, run four aught through your yeah. three quarter inch. Mm. Right, uh, like DVI over fiber optic is a very big. Thing amongst AV houses and anybody that has racks of servers rather than putting your server near your display device. With Watchout, we have the option to do either or, but if we wanted to have a tracking backup, we need it all to go into some sort of matrix switcher that we can switch back. So that's why we would use long, 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 long cable runs. Fiber optic cable is great because it can go up to 500 meters, not feet. Um, But... It's incredibly expensive right now. But it comes on a spool and it's a very thin cable that can route all over the place in your theater that didn't put in conduits where you need them. So when you're going from backstage left out to front of house out through the audio snake back to the production table because that's where I'm set up to set up to do the show you need like that's that's the that infrastructure that you don't that oftentimes I don't think theater consultants consider is the teching of the show doesn't necessarily mean the sound position is where it will always be, or the uh, or the lighting board will move because the designer wants to actually physically talk to the, to the op, rather than just in the booth that can't actually see the stage because the catwalk is in the way.
0: So do you need to incorporate, in the larger theaters, if you're going to be using servers, you probably have to have a server room that's cooled. And, would that be a good idea? That's a good idea. A instead idea. of pushing <laughs> the yeah. timps off the end of the orchestra pit and building a little... Yep. <laughs> There's
6: fan noise, you know,
0: that stuff. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Really. Uh, we, and there was a discussion we were having over the break as well. Uh, just to wrap up, um, that in training people for projections, you probably should be training people for IT. Support,
3: a li- well, you, right? you certainly need to know a bit about IT, uh, how, how things work. You don't need to be an IT professional. Like we were talking about at the lunch break about limiting bandwidth of the internet connection. I, I don't want to know anything about that. But I want to know how to make my watch-out network work and that when the sound designer wants to hand me a new remix of the voiceover that's connected to the video voiceover, he can connect into my network.
4: Yeah, so it is helpful to know some IT to, but, so that you, when you're sitting there and your 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 production computer isn't talking to any of your display computers, you can kind of go, "All right, so that's over here," and if I okay, so it's not things aren't addressed properly or whatever. It's just
6: the subnet mask. It's all that exactly everybody's. yeah, bloody subnet mask. <laughs> 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 two five six <laughs> right. um, two
3: five five. Two, five no, but oh that's actually God. a, a See, really interesting thing, thing because ArtNet is. It's, uh, the The basic Artnet protocol starts with an IP address of like 12 dot something something something. Every other device in the world starts one nine two one six eight decimal zero decimal blank. So if you want watch out to speak to Artnet devices, you actually have to put all your watch out computers in the Artnet bandwidth. I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my! I don't want to think yeah. about that right hey, now. Are, most lightning boards are 10, yeah. Right. yeah. Okay, so while we're training people to uh, how to focus a light and how to uh, edit on uh, Pro Tools, we also have to teach them how to build flat and a revolve and to be an IT support.
6: Just uh, how to build the RJ45 connectors. And oh. how to, <laughs> <laughs> so another know. thing we have to do. Do we have yeah. enough
0: time in a four-year university degree or a three-year college diploma or a two-year college we diploma? We do not. Right?
3: No, right. no. So do you and
0: have to
6: have a special stream for this now? or I think we probably should. I think we probably need the two years. I don't think, I think all the two years can teach, honestly, is general theater technician. I don't think they really can specialize at all. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, no, agree. We, yeah. we,
8: we, we train Box entry-level pushers. people to keep on learning. Yeah. You don't teach them one lighting board. You teach them three, so they get used to learning lighting boards. Don't teach them one CAD program. They teach them two, so they get used to learning CAD programs. You know? You no, know, we treat basic people who can work with other theater
6: people and keep on learning. And the four-year programs, even those, are now getting too tight. You're gonna to have to be really, really specific. Yeah. What about post grad
0: stuff? I know that at the college level, there's a lot of other, a lot of other kind of industries have like a one-year certificate in X, which is a specialized portion of their own certificate. Is there a way of incorporating a projection design or projection, you know, administration? Uh, to, not there's now. not
3: a lot of post-grad work in theater schools in Canada period, but, uh, U of A, uh, U of C are both have master's programs that are just sort of starting to look at it. They don't necessarily have no, they don't even know if they have the right teachers for it. So it might become more of a co-op like scenario.
6: Yeah. I think you're going to have a hard time, uh, convincing any administration that there's going to be a call beyond 10 people every how many years.
0: Mm-hmm. So back to apprenticeships, which are kind of the yeah. basis of theater training anyways. Uh, any other questions from the floor? Does anybody have any? Is there anything we haven't discussed in the last three hours? Sorry. Go ahead, Gavin. Gavin and then.
12: This goes back uh, almost to the very uh, very beginning uh, of the afternoon um, there was a brief mention of best practices uh, that Beth brought up, and there was a mention of uh the the, the dramaturgical impact of mm-hmm. our technical choices uh and and I think that those things are 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 um, something that's worth keeping in mind and maybe they're connected in ways um, on a tangent I would like to say that I have found it very worthwhile to work with people like Pablo Felices Luna uh, at Carousel Players, who, when he workshops a new piece, uh, brings the designers in. So, you know, the the dramaturgy of design is included from the playwrights, uh, you know, starting point, which is great. Um, But that still leaves us without best practices. We don't have a system uh of of you know like a a, a lighting plot and light write paperwork mm-hmm. to right. generate uh, you, you, so i wondered if you guys could speak at all to sort of what the what, what is the basic expectation i don't think i've ever encountered it you know there's no consistency so there's, if you could speak to that maybe
4: yeah that's a, that's a pretty tricky that's a big that's a big question mark um because there are there are or have been scenarios where doing a full storyboard and and notating content and all of that stuff has been really important and has been appropriate for that show, where it's very specific content-based or there's a licensor to deal with or something like that. Um, and that's been helpful in terms of the design and has not been helpful in terms of other sort of more fluid creative practices. Um, I, it's. I think it is unlike a lighting plot where we know we need the lighting plot to hang the lights. There's there's very little that we can hang specifically on. Like we can we can come up with a projector plot, but that's like it, well, it, usually the projector lands on a lighting generally, plot. Generally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you sit down with the lighting designer and you put an X there. But you're going to an do the drawing
6: of a routing drawing, just like we do a sound. Sure.
4: Yeah. Yep. And that's those are good things. And this is yeah. So system design or or system ideas, at least to 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 say to the production manager, I need I need these twelve things to feed into this, and that's how I'm going to manipulate it. So having things, setting up things like that, where we do have projector plots or a system plots. a
5: small part of the job but it's a very small it's just a little bit after you've done all the real work and the the real work is the playwrights written in some lighting ideas or they've written in some sound ideas or some blocking ideas or whatever it is it's that developmental process and and whether it really is scenographic and and dramaturgical in nature or whether it's something else
0: Is the ADC, ADC, because you're you're an ADC projection designer, right? Mm -hmm. Does the ADC have a set of standards for projection communication, or is that not? Not yet. Not yet.
1: Uh, It's definitely on our radar. Uh, We do have a separate uh, contract schedule now that pertains specifically to uh, projection design. Um, But yes, it's uh, it's something that we absolutely need to update. For a long time... um, uh, sound was also in this very nebulous mm-hmm. phase, um, and um, I guess actually I could use some guidance from the membership about when is it time to write some rudimentary standards. Given that things are uh, galloping ahead, like progress, we're in this in this phase of of rapid progress. When when is it time to take the first kick at the can?
4: now now <laughs> now it's now it is, now. Next it A- is. the next AGM <laughs> start
6: writing oh but you're so sweet
5: <laughs> <laughs> all right go ahead yeah last question for the day I think
6: um
7: so you know I find moving into video that things get inc- you know exponentially more complicated from lighting to sound to, to video uh, and projection project projectors have really come from the IT world. They all started off with a VGA connector on the back, but now with home theater and 10 different options on the back of these things, where do you see us, uh, the best place for us to look for standards? Um, you know, which technology standards, as opposed to the implementation standards, should we really be looking at? Is that home theater? Uh, are we going to define our own as a as a whole industry? Um you know, how do we understand what we mm. should be focusing on
5: there? Anyway, I think we'll be borrowing for some time yet because a lot of money has gone into developing the standards that exist. And so if you need HDMI in a small place, then that's what you use. If you need something else, then that's what you use. I think it'll be a while before we have a, an equivalent DMX for video.
3: Yeah, fair enough. But I would I would say something like the PowerCon connector from Neutrik yeah. has now become uh, standard, pretty much yeah. a standard in anything in the live industry right? Versus a Europlug. But lots of devices still use Europlugs. But pretty, what will happen at the back of the projector will come to some sort of point where we we have agreed that it's going to be this. Um, I suspect it would be SDI, but there's already four versions of SDI right now. Uh, But that that is only to deal with resolu- varying resolution scales, which have gone from HD, which we thought was the ultimate HD, <laughs> to 2K, which we thought was the ultimate HD, which an hour and a half later was 4K, <laughs> which only means that there's 16K coming, right? And 256K, and.
0: Good Lord.
4: And
0: then when they eliminate the pixel. Don't, don't not gonna, well, I'm, not ready to, I'm not ready to eliminate the pixel. I will say, when I was at Cast in 98, they were having discussions about, what's the next DMX? And now it's 2014. And I think we've got EDMX is still maybe, but DMX is still the DMX, standard, right? DMX is so still the standard. So it's, tw- it's, been, it's been 16 years, <laughs> we still
3: have the same DMX we There have. are how many formats of, of networked DMX devices, right? Right. Networked DMX is 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 crazy. There's all kinds of variations. And you hear about tours going out and like, well, we're just gonna plug in the back of our with our RJ forty five. And they get into a new space with their dimming system and they can't fire it because the two things that used to talk to each other don't talk to each other. But DMX cable will talk no problem.
5: Well that's why I think it's gonna be a while before we see anything like that, because there are other industries far more uh equipped and, and uh, ready to do that. to make, They have to make the same equipment hooked together, right? So yeah. I think they're going to do it and then we're going to, whichever one, whether it's VHS or Beta or, or B- we're, we're going to yeah. pick whichever one wins afterwards. We're not <laughs> going to try and right. make we'll our right. third one because if we can't do it with the DMX, we're certainly not going to be able to do it where other people are competing for the same issue.
0: Well, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Beth, for joining me and thank you all for joining me here and uh, listen to the, the podcast. will be out probably in about another month after I edit Uh, Scott's bit out and my bit out uh, (laughs) uh, but thank you very much Uh, thank you have a great time at uh, the the
1: conference
0: and that wraps up part two of projections and the future at the CITT rendezvous 2014 thank you Scott Eric Beth and Ben and those folks on the floor who participated in our discussion hopefully we'll be able to continue with roundtable type talks in the future at COTT, The music for this podcast is Pod Safe Music from the band 1990s called See You at the Lights. You can find them at roughtraderecords.com records.com forward slash the 1990s. Please go to iTunes and give us a review. It'll help get the word out about this podcast and share the history of theatre design in Canada. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Title Block CA and on Facebook.com forward slash The Title Block Podcast. You can send comments and requests by email to thetitleblock at gmail.com. Feel free to share this with your friends, colleagues, students, and teachers, or listen to it while you torture that grant proposal into submission with the ever-present thought that regardless of the Canada Council help, you will do the project anyway. I'm Michael Cruz, and I'll see you next time on The Title Block.